And now we will go to the technology part. Technology is always a very big part of uh, shipping. Uh, we have two short but very interesting presentations. I will start with um, Mr. Sofronis from uh, EY. So, Fotis, where are you? Bravo. And then we have Navneet from um, Total Theo. Navneet, uh, where are you? Uh, do we have Navneet with us? Or uh, anyway, we will. Up oh, there you are. Lipon. Good morning, everybody. I'm Fodis Sofronis. I'm working as a manager in EY. So our today topic is going to be about uh, cybersecurity and the maritime cyber landscape. Uh, so I would like to start with, uh, with a report that's been announced from the World Economic Forum very recently in Davos, which actually sets the cyber attacks as the first non-natural threat in a global risk. You can see that this threat is among uh, extreme conditions, whether natural disasters or the climate change, which are the major risk that has impact in the global risk report. So actually, what's going on with the cyber attacks? Here in Uruguay, we, have, we would like to present you a graphic that shows when they start back in 1980s, 1990s, where somebody was performing a hack just to amuse himself or to or for personal gain, which actually evolved in a malicious insiders where they would like to manipulate the stock market or they would like to exfiltrate information from corporations and eventually they will group they will group by in the criminal networks, which actually they were a group of people with highly skillful highly skillful techni techniques in order to penetrate and exfiltrate corporate data. But what's really happening right now? The next generation of cyber attacks seem somehow uncharted. And why is that? Because in this era that we're living on, the, the cyber attacks is not based on a human factor. Actually, they are based on sophisticated technologies that uh, have been implemented with artificial intelligence and machine learning. It can work around the clock in order to find vulnerabilities and exploit them in every corporation they set as a target. But what's actually the main actors on those cyber attacks? Most of you are already familiar with this, with this slide. Most of them will be cybercrime or a cyber warfare sponsored, let's say, cyber hackers that it's been sponsored from states or maybe corporate espionage due to the corporate competition or just hacktivism, like the well-known Anonymous. But what actually is happening in the maritime shipping industry? The landscape there is kind of confusing. And it's kind of confusing because there are many people believe that uh, they can penetrate and attack a ship very easily by spoofing their GPS signal with some very cheap devices that they can buy from eBay. And they, let's say they can direct the ship in a port they would like to and attack, like the pirates they do in Somalia. On the other hand, there are many reasonable people who actually believe that that's not the case. Even if something terrible happened in a vessel, of course you can override the navigational systems and you can manually navigate the ship wherever you like. The thing here that I would like 
to point out is that the real threat, it's not only in the vessel, where actually is the crown jewel for many ship owners and shipping companies. Most of the time, it's the offshore company and the systems that might be outdated or they have vulnerabilities that actually never been exploited before. And uh, I, I go by a few examples just to see how is the cyber attack space right now in the shipping industry. You can see the first example, which actually was a shipping cargo logistics industry, the toll group, which actually happened just a few days ago. So you can see the... Uh, it's not a random cyber attack, it's happening every day. The other one was the cyber attacks that happened in transportation and maritime industry in Kuwait, which actually was a persistent threat. What does that mean? That even the hackers targeted the Kuwait shipping industry and attacked with a sophisticated mechanism, the back door, if any one of you knows, which actually they get unauthorized access to some ships, and it was happening like month after month after month, they could get block information for the Kuwait uh, state, or they would like to disrupt the continuous business on the shipping industries. Another one, the ransomware attack of Port on San Diego, which actually might not be so critical for you, but why was engaged really hard in this, in this attack in order to remediate and get, and get back to the business, the company, where most of the people in this port in San Diego, they couldn't buy a ticket and they couldn't travel with the ships. At last, but not least, is the cyber attack in Costco. And why I pointed out this, even if it is kind of old, it's because it happened just a year ago after the Maersk incident in 2017, which actually, the great thing here is that Costco was quite aware of Maersk case and they already prepared measures let's say, uh, vulnerability and threat intelligence response measures that they had in place. But the case was not that successful in, that, uh, in this incident. So uh, just from these slides, I, I wanted to point out that uh, cyber attacks are happening everywhere. It's not about if you are prepared or not. You have to constantly be aware. That's one of the major things you have to have in mind. A global a global survey that has been running in EY for 20 years now point out some great, great statistics. This survey, the responders, is like 1,500 responders from great industries like shipping and maritime, and it's been globally. And the topic of the survey is only about the cybersecurity functions. It's great to see here that 48% of the board members they don't have a clue why it might be a cyber risk for their company, while even less, the 43 of them, they don't actually see any value in the cyber team. Another point that, another point that is something significant for us and we'd like to bring this up to the surface is that only 36% engage the cyber team when they have a new project, a new initiative, or then onboarding a new platform in their businesses. And 60% of all the respondents says that the attacks are being continuously increasing the last 12 months. That's, the, that's bringing inside the cyber, at the sophisticated cyber attacks that it's been going on. Last but not least, I would like to point out that 
only half of them, they have countermeasures like data protection programs, how they can protect the data information in their company, or vulnerability management programs, how they will identify if they have vulnerabilities in order to protect them. And third is the threat intelligence response. What happens if a cyber program, a cyber bot, or a hacker set as target your company, will you be able to respond to those attacks? That's a critical question. So what we see right now in 2020, the landscape is evolving, especially in the maritime. We can see that from the regulations that it's been up, bringing up with a well-known January 1st will be up to effectiveness, the IMO regulation, which brings a significant framework around cybersecurity. Also, ENISA and NIST governmental organization have special chapter about cybersecurity framework for maritime, for shipping industry, and trying to capture all the, the, the new technologies that's been coming on. So, as I'm closing my presentation, I would like to give one hint. What would you be able to do in your company if you haven't done anything yet? There is these pillars, these six steps, it's very critical for you, and I'm going really quick through the, those of them. First of all, you have to set a cyber strategy that will be aware across all business units. And second, and most critical, you have to identify what are the crown jewels for your company. What are your corporate assets that you would like to protect? Then have some solid functions that will support compliance. Compliance now, it's a big deal for shipping industry, as we saw, because of all these regulators. And one, one that has to do with the human factor, which actually is most of the cases on all these cyber attacks, it's the security awareness. You have to, be, you have to prepare your people, either, either are at offshore or they are on the sea, on the vessels. They have to be aware and be able to change their culture of readiness. Whenever they see something that it's not appropriate or seems like an attack, they have to report it. They have to report the incident to the people they know how to deal with it. Last, I'll give you a motto of myself to prepare for tomorrow. You just have to disrupt today. Thank you very much. Good morning, everyone. Um, I'm Navneet Rainu. Um, I represent a shipping technology and services company called Torotheo Maritime. Um, and I'm here to speak about uh, digitalization in terms of uh, vessel optimization, fleet monitoring, and energy efficiency. Uh, it's a gloomy day, and when you hear this subject, I'm sure some of you are like, ah, not again. It's the same topic. But uh, I intend to bring a different angle uh, to this approach. Um, on a generic term, uh, we had the previous panelists talking about how we should reduce our carbon print, uh, print and the environmental impact. Uh, but this sub-industry, which I am talking about, uh, the optimization industry in shipping, um, is ready for the final uh, fuel that we intend to use, be it electricity, LPG, LNG, ammonia, hydrogen. Even if it is hydrogen, which in our common sense seems to be the cleanest fuel, will have some drawbacks 
uh, if we keep using hydrogen, the, uh, the output is water, yes, but to produce those cells, to produce the containers for those cells is, is going to consume some resources. Uh, so the idea behind this subsector is to reduce any fuel that we use, be it 2020 fuel or be it the old spec fuel. If you have scrubbers, there's still some value in reducing your consumption by one ton per voyage, even if it comes to that. <clears throat> With that, uh, while we are promoting this uh, product, uh, it has spread like wildfire. There are a lot of uh, service providers doing this, uh, a lot of buy-in from uh, ship managers, owners, charterers, and there is some resistance also. The inertia to change uh, and to adapt to this uh, technology has been a pain point in some organizations. Um, so we went out and looked for the reason, uh, and one of the most prominent reasons is that it will detach the operators, the management, the users, the human itself, from the ships and the operations and commercial side of it. Um, so I'll spend a few minutes to explain how that is not the case uh, and how technology and uh, in particular the efficiency and softwares, optimization softwares are a tool uh, to take better informed decisions to reduce your fuel bills and increase your revenue. To visualize what I mean, I have a small AV slide. Right, so what does it mean uh, in terms of usability? I've taken some examples uh, of uh, segments that solutions like these cover, uh, be it from us, be it from our counterparts or competitors, whoever you subscribe from, uh, the basic, let's say, broad spectrum services, one of the top one is uh, weather optimization, right? Uh, we spend a lot of fuel to gain speed or to fight the weather, so the least resistance route uh, would be the most optimum one. That's the knowledge. But it's very easy to make an algorithm uh, with, with the technology and the feeds that you have today, weather and route. Uh, the least resistance route is, is the easy task. But how do you implement it? How do you convince the operator and the captain to follow it when there are some operational limits? Um, I can transfer the algorithm on boards, and, and the captain can start using it. But there are some operational requirements that he may have, which the tool cannot take into account, because they vary per ship. Just an example, 
Mr. Operator, I don't want to go at 82 RPM because that's my ship's resonance frequency, and my chief engineer is not happy with it. Uh, that's, that's a real uh, live problem that weather routing advisories don't take into account. They just take the weather factors and they give you an advice. Um, or my auxiliary blowers cut in at 72 RPM, so I cannot maintain that speed which you have recommended. So that human touch, human element, human communication, um, um, understanding of the limitations that a ship or a captain or the chief engineer or the operator may have, uh, and putting that into the service is, is still going to exist. That communication will continue to exist, no matter which algorithm uh, my company or we or my counterparts make. Uh, it is very important. Otherwise, you will not execute an optimum voyage. <clears throat> the example over here, you can see all the weather elements, and we make algorithms every day. We improve on the algorithms. There's AI, uh, but until the human is there to take that information and take the final decision, we're not going to save fuel, for sure. Same for energy efficiency. Uh, this is just a sample dashboard. Uh, it's live with live information, uh, and I can tweak it. Uh, all these service providers, as per the requirement from the client, uh, owners or ship managers or technical managers, they can make this dashboard to look really uh, fancy, intuitive. Uh, take help from Microsoft BI, Google Analytics, and there's a new one from Amazon. Uh, all these engines can help you with converting the data that you get into real, credible information. But who takes the decision at the end of the day? It's a technical superintendent or the operator who needs to take all this information and decide, should I clean my hull now or not? Uh, you can show that your hull is degrading, but if the decision is not taken to clean your hull on time, it's still going to consume fuel every nautical mile. So the human element and the decision-making uh, attribute cannot be taken away from anybody. But how do we help uh, the operators? So if you have this abundance of information or even suggestions on decision-making coming from a platform, it's very important to streamline it and to give the user uh, the information that he needs. So for example, um, TCP warranted consumption, that has been exceeded. The superintendent or the operator is not going to be sitting on his computer all the time with every report or data coming in from the ship to assess whether it's going over or under. It's, it's impossible. If there are any operators, you can understand uh, what I'm trying to say here. Uh, plus, the need to take over more ships is increasing every day. I mean, some operators, they take care of five ships, 10 ships, 15 ships, as per your business requirement. More the ships that you add under his wings, the less time he has to analyze the data. So the idea here is to give him a data which tells him a decision uh, that can be taken based on simple, generic things like traffic lights. My hull is going bad, it's green, yellow, or red. When it's red, what is the dollar value of this impact of hull fouling? If it is more than the bill that I will get from the hull cleaners, I will go and clean my hull today. It should boil down to that decision making, and until we don't reach there, uh, these softwares are going to be a gimmick, and I represent one of them. So my struggle is to, is to bring these softwares to your user-enhancing uh, uh, experience instead of user-bogging-down experience. Um, Alarms is one way to approach it. If you, if you have these alarms coming on your mobile phone, uh, email, and you can customize it on what thresholds are needed, 
uh, you don't even have to open the application. You get it on your mobile phone, you're in the airport, call the master or the chief engineer, take corrective action. Should come down to this. And, and that's the goal of this sub-industry. Uh, and what I wanted to highlight was the human element and the ease of use of software. When they both combine, that is when we can actually tackle the efficiency problem. Otherwise, it's going to be a boring subject every time with gimmicky AV slides. Thank you very much.